Welcome to the Who Needs Instructions podcast, the podcast that wants to get men talking. So joining me on today's podcast then is a gentleman by the name of Drew Mason. Now, unlike most of my guests so far, Drew and I are aware of each other, but we've never actually physically met. Now that's right, isn't it, Drew? That is right. I was going to say it's great to be in a room together, but, uh, but yeah, that's going to have to wait a little bit longer. It's great to be virtually meeting you. I've been aware of you for a little while, and um, oh, thank you. it's it's you're you're a fascinating character, which is why I wanted to get you on here. And I think there's there's a lot of stories to be told, uh, so I'm going to dig straight in there. And I'm going to ask the question that that I ask of all of my guests. So, give me a little bit of background first of all about your career and then we'll sort of find out where you've come from and, and where you are now if that's okay so so what do you do for a living or what have you done for a living in the past true yeah absolutely so i firstly and foremost thanks for having me on here it's great to spend a bit of, bit of time and uh, have this conversation so thanks for inviting pleasure me. i have a bit of a colorful background so i the way i describe it to people i'm a traditional sort of billy elliott story i was born in the midlands i was born in a little mining town in derbyshire and from a very young age had a fascination with singing and dancing and found this thing called musical theater and um, found out that you could do it professionally so went to went to london trained as an actor worked on the west end for a number of years and basically sung and danced my way around the world. I, I worked on the, was lucky enough to work on the London 2012 Olympics with um, Danny Boyle and the team at Underworld. We recorded the soundtrack for that at Abbey Road Studios. That was an amazing um, experience. Um, worked on Mamma Mia for a long time. I then met my fiance in the Southwest um, at the Hall for Cornwall, actually, in Truro, the theatre down there. We then worked on ships for a number of years. Mm -hmm. We worked in the Mediterranean. We worked in Alaska. We were ba basically what it was, Matt. I, I was sort of busting my gut on, on the West End, and I met this amazing woman who's now my fiance, and she was doing a similar sort of thing. But she was on a theatre that that travelled the world, and she, and she didn't have to pay any rent. She didn't have to pay any anything for her food. Basically, her wage was her own. She was getting paid more than me, and it was and it was a theatre that that every day was in a different country. Wow! And I was like, sign me up. <laughs> so we we did that. Fortunately, we managed to work together for on and off for about four or five years, sort of travelling the world, meeting guests from around the world meeting crew from around the world and yeah we then relocated back here to um exeter a couple of years ago where i worked with a marketing agency and a kind of positive media movement called grow magazine and now i've launched my own sort of project with my business partner ben called block workspace so that that in a nutshell is um is my kind of summary summary sort of overview but yeah, it's been an amazing journey. Quite a amazing. yeah, quite a story. I mean, you know, I was going to ask you about sort of your childhood, but you pretty much covered that in there, saying that uh, you know from the Derbyshire village, and then the, I love the. I think I've heard you describe before yourself as a, a bit of a Billy Elliot, um, because you, I recently caught some video of you. There was a, a brilliant twenty-four hour challenge called uh, Lily's Live Lounge. Yeah, uh, and they were raising money for Click Sergeant, uh, which is a charity that looks after children uh, who are suffering with cancer. And we have a, a, a mutual friend who put on this twenty-four hour thing, and you stood—I think it was in your kitchen—singing some show tunes, didn't you? I did. I actually just did an amazing thing for 
for the charity and Lily's family. It was it was a pleasure to be involved. Um, and, th- and and this is it. You know, I've I've lived I've lived a very blessed life where I, I managed to um, do what I love for over a decade and get paid for it, which is which is literally the dream. So, you know, that comes with challenges and it's a lot of hard work. You're working at the sharp end of, of what is a cutthroat industry. So, you know, there's 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 challenges and it's hard. But now I'm in the stage of my life where it's called show business, right, Matt? And, <laughs> and everyone knows the word show, but no one knows the word business. You know, everyone forgets that second word. And I'm in this really fortunate, privileged position now where... I can I can choose to give my time away and I can choose to get involved with projects that, that that I believe in. And if someone comes to me and goes, look, we're doing this, can you get involved? Can you help? I'm it reignites the passion. It's like, wow, I can I can actually use my my talents and my God given gifts to to help other people. And that is ultimately more fulfilling to me than 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 any of the sort of credentials that I've had in the past. You know, I've been lucky to have some amazing um, experiences and work with some amazing people, but to be able to give back and just and just see the the joy that it brings people and what that will mean for Lily and her family is is kind of where I'm at at the minute. So, yeah, kudos to Ashley. I think we raised, I think yesterday the number was up to about twelve thousand pounds. I think yeah. don't quote me on that, but I, I think he set a target of about five, and we and we easily doubled it. <laughs> so I believe he just did amazing. But that was all to him. He was there for the twenty four hours. He was there, you know, bringing people in in fifteen minute slots. So. Kudos to him! Big shout out to Ashley. Yeah, it was it was amazing, and uh, yeah, it's, like you say, I happily put a link in the show notes to uh, if anybody would like to continue to donate to that because uh, it's a real simple text the number, make a donation to Click Sergeant. Um, but yeah, so so that was for me. That's the first time I ever saw you perform, ah. and you know, it's quite it's quite interesting. Well, I have a, a stepsister who's done something similar. She's done the cruise ships um, yep. and uh, she was a, a singer and dancer on there. She's done a bit of acting. Um, she's certainly still doing a lot of audio stuff. I think she did yep. the um, the Doctor Who audio recordings. Amazing. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of my, my glimpse into a world that I think you might have led. But um, mm-hmm. being on the stage and, 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 and being someone who has travelled a lot, um, now, you know, I know people that know you again, I've said we have mutual friends and mm. you're a very affable character. you clearly, you make friends very easily, but have you still got those friends that you had from that Derbyshire town? Oh, absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some of my, some of, well, actually my best man, I've got two best men, um, cause I'm greedy like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of my best men is, um, an old school mate from Derbyshire. We both, we he was uh, a ballet dancer growing up, and then we met um, a drama group when we were in our teens. He then had a very sort of similar journey to me. He went to London to an acting school, worked with Blue Man Group, and then now runs a photography studio in Vegas. <laughs> but we've we've stayed connected like the entire entire time. And you know, you know how it is as blokes. Sometimes we don't maybe connect as much as we should we, we've gone years without speaking to each other but as soon as soon as we pick up that phone and as soon as we start speaking again it's like it's like we never never left mm. you know he's one of those friends whereby you know he's in your life and it will be there forever you know he's, he's my best man he's my brother so yeah it's it's you kind of have these people in your life that that, that are your close inner circle and i think it's really important that you know i, I can count them on one hand that the, the the guys and, and and some girls who've been there for me at a time in my life that have, I've really struggled with. And I think that's really important. You, 
of course, I, I love meeting everybody. Like, I just find people fascinating, their stories, what they've done. You never know who you're going to meet. Yeah. And you know, people are fascinating. So I've always, and I think that's from my time on the ships. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, work, you work on board a cruise ship and you're easily working with at least 50 different nationalities. And it's, it's like a mini city. So you've got a theater, you've got 20 restaurants, you've got, it's a hotel, it's a, on some of these big ships, you've got climbing walls, go-kart tracks. It is, it is a mini metropolis on, on, on the waves. And you've got a team of probably 3000 staff and 11,000 passengers. The numbers are just crazy all floating out at sea. And, and you have to look after each other. You have to support each other. You have to, there is, there is nowhere else to go. You are, yes, it's a big ship, but you're essentially seeing the same people day in, day out. And, and you learn to bend and sway and, and everyone's come from all around the world and we have to be respectful of each other. It's a really, the, the, the United Nations should come on board a cruise ship right. and see how it's really done. You know, <laughs> but, but, but it's true. Yeah. You know, you, you are, you're, you're sharing close quarters with people who you've probably never met before in, in different, you know, they've got different uh, religions, creeds, uh, different ways of life, and you're just respectful of it. And everyone gets on board because they're on board. Yeah, then literally. There's a time for you. There you go. <laughs> Drop a clanger there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's true. You you just learn this, this, this way where everybody is unique and everyone has something to bring to the table and everyone is valuable and everyone is important. And you, And if you can learn to kind of just get over that fear and go, well, every, everyone is amazing. Everyone is amazing in their own unique way and everyone has something to bring to this world. And if you can find a way to engage and tap into that and everyone, you'll, you'll, you'll lead an amazing life. That's, that's so good to hear. And I, I, I kind of, I, I definitely share that ethos, definitely. Um, I haven't travelled anywhere near as much or worked in as a variety of places as you, but I've definitely come across some really fascinating, interesting people. And that's uh, something I've, you know, I've, on the podcast before, we've spoken to professional sports people. Uh, mm. And, you know, I've asked them the question, you know, when you go through that with somebody or with, mm. with your team, you know, you go through something together and that just forms a lifelong mm. bond. And I'm, mm. I'm going to assume that you have got friends that you met on cruise ships that your paths usually would never have crossed. And, oh, yeah. and are you still friends with those people? Oh yes, <laughs> my other best man was a. Um, so we did uh, Mamma Mia together in the West End, mm-hmm. and I think so. I've spoken with. I, I listened to the um, conversation you had with Chris. Fascinating. You know, I've, I've listened to. I've kind of con- connected, engaged with people who are ex-military, and I think the thing that links all these things together is when you've done something that is so niche, mm-hmm. and you have an experience that that not many people in the world get to experience. It creates this bond, and it creates this sisterhood or brotherhood that you're just bonded for life you know because because not many people can relate to what to what you've been through so it's yeah it's 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 amazing you know you i i had so picture the scene right we we worked in a theater in in london so it was in between piccadilly and leicester square it's called the prince of wales theater mm-hmm. and um it's seven of us all in this tiny room and I think everyone has this concept that um, you know the West End and filming and, and acting is all glamorous and, and to a certain extent it is but the day-to-day I tell you what if you could see the dressing room like like literally it's it, it's a box I mean literally you can't you can't open we're all we're all sat back to back and if, t- if two of us decided to get up at the same time we wouldn't be able to get up it's that small you know we're all crammed into this small room seven guys in their sort of well from mid 20s to kind of mid 30s and 
I had this conversation with Chris. I said, look, when you work in theatre, right, you've got people who are so creative and they've lived, they've lived creative lives and then you put them in this West End show, which is essentially doing exactly the same thing every night. Mm. You, you kind of, it's, it's the bizarre kind of um, paradox in that you have to be creative to get the job, but then when you do the job, it's this exactly the same thing every day. When I'm watching sports, you know, it's, Every single game of rugby is different. Mm. Every single game of football is different. When you go and see a show, it's exactly the same thing, night after night after night. And, and, and it does something to your head. Like, if I, if I said to you, like, I could tell you exactly what you're going to be doing in, in seven months' time at, at, at 7.39, like you're going to be in a plie and you're going to be singing um, Voulez-vous by, by ABBA. And it, it's, it's not what we're designed to do. <laughs> I've never, so I've never creative outlets. Yeah, that... so everyone just kind of messes around backstage, and it's that sense of camaraderie. You know, you toe the line. We, we, we'd get in trouble a little bit because people have paid 140 quid to come and see the show, and we're potentially <laughs> dicking around a little bit too much. So, it's, but yeah, you, you, you find you find the balance, but it's such an experience. And what, I tell you what, Matt, when you do something that isn't for money, and you do something that the money can't achieve it, it changes your life you know not not everyone can be a west end performer not everyone can be a high level sportsman not 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 everyone has the mindset to be in to be in the military or in the marines mm. but when you do something that that you can't pay for you have an experience and it and it, and it deeply and profoundly changes you and i think that's that's the sort of link of this brotherhood of of and whatever it is you're doing you just have this experience, and I'm all about experiences in life. Wow, I've I've, I've rabbited on quite a bit there, but it's, it's I'm quite passionate about it. No, no, it's it's interesting. So you know, you were you were just saying then about you know going through that the, the, the it's it's not about the money. So you know, is there an is there a specific experience where you've not been paid for that's really kind of you know you said that was quite life changing? Yeah, there was a show I did right, and it was super low paid, and it was at the early stages of my career. But I've stayed connected with those guys for such a long time. And, and I don't mind telling you about it. It's a show called Naked Boys Singing. And it was, it's, um, within the theatre world, it's quite a, a, quite a well-known sort of musical. It's got this kind of cult following. Mm -hmm. It's really big on Broadway. And when it came here to the West End, um, I was one of the early, early cast to be involved with it. And it was, it was a low-paid gig, but it was my first West End job. It was in an underground theatre in Charing Cross, and and the play is what it says on the tin. It is naked boys singing, right? <laughs> so we are eight eight men, eight young men, in this musical where we're all naked. And I, t I tell you what, just the experience of performing for a room of 400, 500 people when you're literally Stark Bollock naked. Wow. Sorry, are we, are we what rated are we? We are 18 and over. No, Sorry. not at all. Crack on, but, crack on. But it's so, it's, uh, it exposes you quite literally. You know, you're so vulnerable. And I think once you've had that experience, you just go, you know what? There's nothing to be afraid of in life. If I can stand on a stage in London on the West End with seven of my other mates and we can put on this musical naked, we, we can do anything That's we, 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 can, we can we can conquer the world like you know it changes your mindset and that and that wasn't for money and looking back on it you know it did it did change me it changed my outlook on life it changed my experience it it kind of shifted my mindset and 
yeah, I never <laughs> thought of that. So thank you for asking that question. I've, I've just realised something. That's that's incredible because um, that you are at your most vulnerable, you know, and you're yeah. you're on a stage with. There's a, are you ever on the stage on your own? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was. Crikey. I was. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I sang a song called "Window to Window" on stage <laughs> on my own with um, Little Drew out. <laughs> <laughs> so we now know what he calls his cock. <laughs> oh, say calls it. <laughs> That's fantastic. So brilliant story. Um, and uh, mm. I know you, now I just imagine that the world of theatre and acting mm. and everything like that, um, it must be quite precarious because, you know, uh-huh. uh, you always hear stories of, well, you know, actors, if they try to go to Hollywood to make it, they always end up being waiters and waitresses in restaurants mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Have mm-hmm. there have there been times where life has been really tough? Oh God, yeah. Oh God. You know, I think there's this this there's there's this concept that even you know, if you're on the TV or you're on a commercial or you're or you're on a film or you're in in the West End, you've yes, you've made it and and you've and you've reached a level of performance within your industry. You know, the West End is the Olympics of musical theatre. The, Broadway and West End are like the two venues in the entire world whereby this is the elite level of musical theatre. But it doesn't necessarily translate into financial success. Mm. Yes, I was I was on a decent salary. I was doing okay. But I wasn't a multimillionaire. But that wasn't the point. The point was that I was doing something that I loved and I believed in and I could make a living from it. And... You know, when that show ends, it's like, cool, you're on, you're on the red line again. Yeah. You, you've got to find, you've got to find work again. So you're constantly, you're constantly having to perform. You're constantly having to, the thing is with acting, right? It's all about how well you audition. It doesn't really matter how, once you've got the job, it's really irrelevant. It's about, can you get the job in the first place? Mm. And a mate of mine is a, is a two-time Olivier um, award winner. And he was, um, when he won his first Olivier, it was broadcast on the BBC. It was on on a Sunday night. And I remember watching it in my little student flat in Guildford. The very next day, I went to my part-time job, which was ushering at the um, Ivan Arno Theatre in Guildford. And he was there putting his waistcoat on, putting his little name tag on. And I was like, mate, what, what, what the hell are you doing here? Like, you, you, you were at the Olivier's last night. You were like, you were like with Graham Norton. You were like... He's like, yeah, mate, but you know they don't give you any money when you get an Olivier Award. You know, I've got, I've, I've, I've got a mortgage to pay, my friend. I've, I've, I've got a wife and and kids, and we, you know, I got, I got bills to pay. Mm. So you know, it's this, it's this volatile lifestyle whereby one day you're, you know, the king of the world, and the next day you're, you know, scrabbling around to to pay the bills, and and everyone knows that getting into it. It's not a complaint. It's just the way the world is. I, I filmed the commercial. For um for Orangina, which was amazing, an amazing experience. We filmed in Croatia. We um we filmed at uh, a place called Pula, which has the most um preserved Colosseum in Europe. It's an, it's an amazing place. If you can go, I'd highly recommend it. But we filmed for three days, and the final scene was a scene whereby I'm underwater, or I get water poured onto me. And as you'll know, the classic phrase is they're losing the light. So we've got about half an hour left of light to wrap up and finish this commercial that we're filming. And I, I get, I've got all my costume on. We got, we got one take at this scene and cool. It's fine. They, they roll, they roll the sound, they roll the music, they play the camera. I do my scene. 
I nail it, fortunately. I'm all good. It's all fine. We're all happy. Great. That's a wrap. And um, I'm going back to the tent and someone runs over to me. They're screaming, they're shouting. It's like, oh, quick, quick, quick. What had happened is there was a cable in the shot. So one of the technicians had actually, unfortunately, left. I think it was a string. They had to pull a string to release all this water and the string had accidentally fallen into the shot. Mm. So it rendered the scene unusable. Couldn't use it. So what we had to do is, is within about 15 minutes, we had about 15 minutes of light left. So I'm drenched in, in, in water, but what they've got to do, they've got to totally reset the whole scene. So you've got about 50 crew, like clearing all the water, drying it with, with, um, you know, these big hoses, like re- refilling the tank. I'm I'm in the tent with, I kid you not, Matt, about 30 people around me. It's that classic image. You've got like seven people on each arm. They're like, because I'm a gladiator, right? I'm, I'm right. this gladiator. So I've, I've got cuts and I've got wounds. I've got bruises. And they've got to redo all that prosthetics and all that makeup. And, and, they're, and they're doing it all. And they got it done in about, it was, it was like an F1 pit stop. They got it done in about 10 minutes. They they like, had to run me back over to to the scene. We had about five minutes of light, unfortunately, you know. But that pressure, you know, that pressure to get it right. Otherwise, the whole commercial is is well, we can't film. They can't have that commercial. That client can't have the you know. And this was a big film going out to mm. you know a lot of uh, cinemas in in France. Fortunately, we did it, and it was all good, and it was all great. But the point of the story is, when I then went back to the tent. There was, there was no one around me. Yeah. There, there, you know, I, had to, I had to do my own shoelaces. I, I had to do my own stuff. Five minutes before, I'd had about 30 people around me. I was like the star. I was like the king of the world. Mm. And then suddenly, as soon as I'd done my bit, I'm disposable. Right? And, and it's, just, it's just to say that it, it, it was kind of a realization in my mind of, oh, wow, this, this, this isn't real. I'm not, if, if I start to get sucked into this world and think that, I'm the king, or my ego starts to take over here. I'm, 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 I'm dead. Like I, I need, I need to keep rooted in what, what I truly believe in, and what I, what is, what I love in life. Because if I get sucked down the rabbit hole here, this is, this is going to end bad for me. So, and it was just a realization. It was just a realization that wow, this is, you know, I'm, I'm disposable. So you've gone into this life with your eyes wide open. But mm. does does you get people in the industry that have gone in expecting, you know, having different expectations, and and you know when that happens, are is there a, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, like you mentioned earlier on, you know, that that will be there to pick them up? Yeah, I think you you just got to support each other mm-hmm. in any walk of life. Like, you know, life 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 can be hard. Life can be amazing. But life can be hard, and there's highs and lows, and it's all about the support network that you that you have around you. So when this pandemic hit, you know, seventy percent of my friendship group is still in the arts. I've still got friends who were working on on the West End mm. when the pandemic hit. So it's a case of reaching out to them and going, "Are you okay? How's how's life? What can you, you know?" All my friends who were, you know, in big shows in in town, suddenly the pandemic hits. They got to work. So a week later, they're they're driving vans for Tesco's yep. and it's not, you know, you, you got to find a way to live and move forward. And I think to do something that volatile, like in business, you've, you've got to have the the people around you that, that can support and lift you up and, and, and provide that network of support that is real, you know, cause, cause the industry doesn't care about you. Business doesn't care about you. You've, you've, you've got to, you've got to find a, a support group that lifts you up and sees you for who you truly are. 
so you can make the steps every day that you need to make to, to do what you need to do. It's so important to have that around you, like yeah. you say, in all walks of life, absolutely vital. Um, let me change, well, change tack a little bit. I'm gonna, yeah, I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you. Um, and and uh, if anybody's listened to the previous podcasts, this is going to be the thing that I do moving forward. So you're my guinea pig. Oh, I'm the guinea pig, yes. right, here we go. Sorry, Joe, sorry. <laughs> um, so big question, and I, I haven't prepped you with this at all. Mm-hmm. What do you think it takes to be a man in the 21st century? Oh, wow. Great question. I think, I think it's changed a lot. Mm. I think I'm, I'm in my mid thirties and even I have this, this concept of it's so draconian. It's so um, outdated. It's, it, it's so medieval that we have to provide as men and we, me, man, me go bring fire. Me, sure. you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I know that's, quite crass but but I've struggled with this you know I, I feel I saw my as I said I'm from a mining background so my my dad was a miner he's only just retired from the industry last year my grandfather was a miner they all had this lifestyle of providing for their family and I and I think the world has shifted so much I think we need to be open we need to be you know the yeah, we need to be more vulnerable. Yeah. Like coming back to that thing about being on stage and, and opening yourself up to the world, we 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 got to find our yin and our yang. I'm big into energy, and I think I think men today need to have both the masculine and the feminine energy to to really lead a full and fulfilled life and be the best version of themselves that they can be. There are some times where you need to have that um, yang energy, and you need to be that man. You need to have that masculine energy, and you need to go 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 and do stuff. And but there are other times where you where you need to be more open and you need to be more um you need to listen and you need to be empathetic and you need to yeah it's it's about having a balance of both of both energies Mm. be the best person you can be to support everyone around you to create the best world that you can and the best environment you can live in that's um yeah, I think that's what it means to be a man today. That's a beautiful answer, Drew. Thank you. And I, I you know, if I had been as eloquently spoken as you, I would have said that too. <laughs> oh. So that was brilliant. And I, I, I could not agree more. I just, you know, men, we need to, and, it, and there's something that I hadn't really thought about before is, yes, you still need to have that, like you say, the yang, the masculine occasionally, mm. but it's got to be a good mixture between the yin and the yang. Okay, next question for you then. Who has inspired you or who has been the most influential person in your life? Hmm. Wow. Um, a couple of people. Mm-hmm. I think I think I have to go with my fiance. She's just the most wonderful. She's my better half and, and in every sense of the word. She she has helped me on this on this journey that is life. And without her, I couldn't do any of the any of the things that that I've done or we've done together. She, she is wonderful. She supports me. She, she knows me better than I know me. (laughs) And, and, you know, I, I, I don't know how much we, we, we want to be open, but I, I genuinely believe I I wouldn't be here with, without her. She, when I, when I stopped, when I, when we made that decision to stop, um, acting and stop performing, we performed together for about four or five years. I think I mentioned on the ships and, and I really struggled, mate. You know, I'd, I from about the age of five, I I had this lifestyle of, well, Drew wants to sing and he wants to dance and that's what he is and that's his being and that's and and if you want to perform at the highest level and get paid for it, you you, you have to go in there one hundred and ten percent, one hundred and fifty percent, and and really make it happen for yourself. 
And my whole identity was tied up in, in being a performer and being an entertainer. So when that stopped, oof, what, you know, my, my, my whole existence just, just dropped out of my ass. Literally. Yeah. I was like, well, well, that's it. I've, I've got nothing to live for. I've, I've, you know, my, you know, and that's, and that's my failing. I was like, my, my entire identity was wrapped up in that. So she, she helped me and she supported me through that. And there was a dark time for a while. And we, uh, and, and she slowly helped me realize that, wow, there's, there's more to life and there's more to Drew than just singing and dancing. And there's more to life than your career. And, and, and we have this amazing relationship now whereby we're so lucky. The luckiest thing in my life is, 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 is Cara. I was so blessed to have met her eight years ago. And, and, and just as getting married this year is, is going to be the happiest day of my life and just long, long may it continue. Brilliant. That's lovely. Uh, just to pull you back, you did say there was somebody else that was quite influential uh, in your life. Ah, yeah. So, um, so my best man Ed is a huge uh, inspiration to me. I'm I'm the eldest of three, so I never had an older brother. He is my um, older brother from another mother, and I and I love and respect everything he does. I look up to him so much, and if I could be half the person he is, it, that that would be amazing. And of course, my my family, my my wonderful mum and dad who sometimes they don't get this journey and this experience that I'm on they they lived a very different life to, to what I have but they've supported me no I feel so lucky because at no time have they ever said you know don't do that they may not understand it mm. you know they they were both a, a minor and you know they met my mum was in the canteen at the pit and that's how they how they met together mm. so they've they sometimes can't relate to what I'm doing but never have they ever said why are you doing that drew why are you you know and that and that's and that's amazing yeah. that, that that i'm really blessed that they that they've supported me on this journey even though they probably quite don't understand it themselves can i just also say just to go back because i felt like i moved you on quite swiftly from the story about your fiance to hear yeah. to hear a man talk about their loved one whether that's you know a man or a woman in the way that you just did is wonderful drew and and i want to yeah, I just, I just want to highlight that. I just want, you know, that we, I'm fed up of men talking about their other halves mm-hmm. down the pub and running them down. And I, I just want mm-hmm. to say, what the hell are you doing with them then? And to hear you talk so positively about the woman in your life is, is wonderful. So thank you for that, mate. No, thanks, mate. It's I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I, I, I truly am. I, you know, wow. Like without, without Cara, like my, my life would be very different and, and, and I know I am lucky, you know, I know people struggle in, in relationships and struggle in, and, you know, life is a struggle, but all I'd say is just, if you are struggling, just lean into it. What, what can you do for the other person? Like how, how, how can you, I think that's the thing. And this isn't a relationship podcast, but I, and I'm no relationship expert at all, but I think where people go wrong is people go, what can I get out of the relationship? Sure. And as soon as you change your mindset and go, what can I give to the relationship? <laughs> Man, it will blossom. Yeah, it'll just—you'll just take your relationship to new to new heights and realize things that that you never knew, and 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 your life will be more. And in every walk of life, if you can, if you can give to a situation rather than try and take from it, well, you'll have a different life. Lovely, lovely. And I could again, you know, you'll get no argument from me. I couldn't agree more. Uh, okay, a couple more questions for you then. Uh, what yeah. sort of legacy would you like to leave? Oh wow, that's that's an interesting one because if if you would have asked me that in my early twenties or late teens, mm. I would have said 
oh, I want to be, I want to be the, you know, the number one star in the West End. I want, I want my name in lights. I want to, I want to travel the world. I want to, I want to do all, do all these great sort of things. And, and to a certain extent, I, I did, and I was very lucky to have that. But asking me now in my mid thirties is, is different. I want to leave a legacy of, of anyone who comes into my life or I want to, I want to leave the world a better place than I found it. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's, if we boil it down to, to that, that's, that's, that's it. I want to every, every touch point in my life, I want to try and add positivity and add, add value to the world. So anyone, anyone I come into contact with, be it in the supermarket, be it here at work in my new role, be it, you know, just, just anything, just try and just try and find areas where you can change a negative into a positive or leave the world a better place than, than, than what, than what you found it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. This one might throw you a little bit. And again, I'm not prepped. Go on, I'm ready. Can you please, now you, I, I'm assuming you don't have any children, Drew. I don't. No, we don't. Okay. But that, that means that you might have to stretch yourself for this one. Go on. Tell me your best dad joke. Oh wow! Oh, oh, oh God, I've got loads. I'm pr- uh, I've got time. <laughs> uh, what what is um, what do you call cheese that doesn't belong to you? No idea. Nacho cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you got another one for me? You got another one for me? Uh, what cheese can you hide a horse with? Don't know. Mascarpone. Oh no, that's great and so I go, terrible. I can go all day, my friend. I can go all day. I'm, 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 I'm training to be, to be a dad. There we go. There you all go. these dad jokes are just gonna, you know, I, I, I feel sorry for our firstborn if we can get to that stage because they're just gonna have these dad jokes that I've been building up for years and years and years, just thrown on them. No, don't feel sorry for the kids. Feel sorry for your other half. <laughs> <laughs> there's a man speaking from experience <laughs> quite right <laughs> Drew listen I've taken up more than enough of your time um it's been a pleasure. I, I just want to re-emphasize that thank you for going there you know you, you you've you've gone on to topics that I think men are a little bit afraid to talk about mm. um clearly you're not and I I believe that's made your life a better life because of that it certainly appears to be that way I can't wait to meet you in life I want to buy you a beer I want to shake your hand I want to give you a hug when we're allowed to um, and I can't wait for that day to happen. Oh, mate, it won't be long now. Honestly, it's, it'd be fantastic to meet you, to meet you in person, do all those things that we've uh, just said. And just just before we wrap up, I just coming back to that point of of, of getting men talking. I I have a tendency myself to because I spent so long in showbiz. I have a tendency to put on this facade and this and this mask. And it's something that I'm working really hard on to try and actually open myself up and be a little bit more vulnerable. Because you know, I had to being on stage you know i had to go on every night and no one wants to pay you know 120 quid to go and see a west end show and see someone miserable mm. doesn't matter how you're feeling you've got to pick yourself up and you've got to get yourself into that mindset of these people are going to have the best frigging time ever so you know i have a tendency to put on a mask and a face in the front as we all do and it, and, and it's okay that's that's sometimes a good thing to be able to pick yourself out of a low vibration into a high vibration situation that's that's something i've cultivated over years of performance but Sometimes it's good to just let that mask down and go, you know what? I'm not doing okay today. I'm not, I, I, I need to have a conversation with someone. It's, it's okay to not be okay. And actually one of my goals this year is to, when I'm in those zones, actually reach out to people and actually share my story with people to go, you know what? Sometimes life is shit and it's okay 
just as long as you've got someone to approach, that comes back to that support network, as long as you've got someone just to reach out and let them know how you're really feeling, you don't have to tell the rest of the world. No, the rest of the world, you can keep that mask on. But as long as you've got someone to connect and engage with, and someone that you trust just to go, you know what, mate, I'm not doing great. I think that's uh, really important for, for men to, to kind of realise. Drew, thank you. Welcome, my friend. Thanks for listening to the Who Needs Instructions podcast. We release a new episode every week, so make sure to subscribe and we'll speak to you again soon.